Oh my gosh hello friends welcome to the first feminist buzzkills live of 2022 i'm liz winstead here with my co-host moji Odell and marie khan and together we have been exposed to omicron 437 times since noon liz fact fact super <laughs> fact get them while they're hot folks Coming up on today's show, we examine the intersections of anti-abortion extremism and the insurrectionist movement with FBK's resident expert on all things batshit, Managing Director Kat Green. And Alyssa Alduki joins me with some dope feminist life hacks that will help you level up. But before all that, let's take a look at some of the BS that's been popping this week. Woof, BS. All right. Throughout 2021, terrorism has followed the one Planned Parenthood in Knoxville, Tennessee. Last January, the clinic was shot at on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And New Year's Eve a few weeks ago, it was burned to the ground. Okay, so this story of clinic violence spans the whole year. That is terrifying, Moji. Oh, yeah, it is terrifying. And we have an update. The Knoxville Police Department has called in the AFT, AFT and they are officially investigating this as arson. What's interesting is that the fire happened about a year after an anti-abortion group called the Church at Planned Parenthood relocated from Oregon to Knoxville. So what TCAP does is hold services across from the clinic. And by services, I mean, they gather dozens of people, scream at patients, make Holocaust references, and refer to the clinic as the gates of hell. So like, maybe you think this sounds benign? Well, at the very first church in the, the very first church service in front of the Knoxville Planned Parenthood, the leader, uh, Ken Peters, he calls himself Cast Pastor Ken Peters. He preached, we are praying that the very fires of heaven would come against this building. So like staff and officials at Planned Parenthood had noticed an increased intensity in anti-clinic protest, basically once they showed up around like late 2020. And currently they are not linked to this particular arson, but I want to point out that when extremists like this move into town, they spark the interest of people who like are just waiting for something really hateful like this to do. And this week, TCAP is starting um, this shit in Birmingham. So uh, buckle up, Alabama. Man, it it's a lot. And I have to say, you know, Ken Peters also has a church there, you know, the Patriot Church. And, you know, this is a pattern with anti-abortion extremism that we have seen all the time with their leaders holding relentless church services you know constantly saying that abortion clinics are murdering babies and they're taking their blood and calling clinics the gates of hell and what it does is it it sparks somebody who hears this violent rhetoric to be the hero to stop it from happening 
And then when they're challenged on it, it's like, we never called anybody to arms. We didn't, we weren't involved. And it gives them this fake free pass to disconnect from the actual thing that happens. And this guy is one of the worst, but we've seen it in the past with Eric Rudolph. We've seen it in the past with so many of the people who have been preaching in these churches. And I don't think we're we're completely aware of how many of these pods of churches there are with wide swaths of people who they just keep hammering this message home. And this is what happens when you tell people constantly that baby murderers live in your town. Do we lose Marie? Oh, we did lose Marie. So yeah. I'm, I'm thing, oh, hey Marie. I'm, hey Marie. Hey. I, all of this makes me think, what about that patient population though? So this is Knoxville, Tennessee. This is not, this is not the hub of reproductive care, maternal care to begin with. Folks were getting to go to this clinic that was closed for construction in terms of folks coming in and seeking care over a couple of days, but folks still were coming for medication, abortion care. They offered hormone therapy for LGBTQ populations in addition to the regular care that Planned Parenthood provides. For lots of folks across the country, a Planned Parenthood is it. They only provide, again, less than 3% of the abortions in the U.S. So first off, you what you did is disgusting, and you also targeted a space that provides so much other valuable critical care. Now all those folks have one clinic remaining in Knoxville. They have a clinic, actually, that's been around since the 70s, which is wonderful, but now there is just that one singular clinic um, available. And it's also a good time to... Um, talk about the fact that we have so few clinics in this area that if someone is unable to get care now at the Knoxville Center for Reproductive Care, the only one that's left, folks have to go over 81 miles away over to North Carolina, which is also a state that is very unfriendly abortion care legislation. Totally. And doesn't have a bunch of clinics. And I think that um, as we as we move out of this, um, a couple things to note. Um, Ken Peters, who Moji was talking about, who runs this TCAP, was also um, in DC, gave a fiery, fiery speech the night before he, uh, the night before the insurrection. Um, and he is really part of that. And so we're gonna keep you abreast on this story. The fact that now they have, they're investigating it as arson. And when we are looking at how this Planned Parenthood decides to move forward, if they decide that they are gonna be doing fundraisers or there's ways that you can help, you can check out our social media. We will keep you updated on ways that you can help. But look out because these zealots are everywhere. And man, were they in D.C. on January 6th. <laughs> um, did we lose Marie again? Oh, we did. Okay. okay. So we'll, that's okay. Um, you know, technical difficulties are fun. Um, so <laughs> that just leads us to the next thing we wanted to talk about, which is last week, as we saw the anniversary of the insurrection and we watched the tireless reporting on what's happening now. And one thing that was 100% left out of the conversation um, and very few media outlets have been covering it is that intersection between the coup and the people who are doing anti-abortion extremism because you know it's it's a fact and it's real yeah i feel like that that particular um missing connection is really just hasn't been covered by media and i'm 
you know, they've talked about lots of other angles, but this one in particular, they just haven't made the connection that overflowing the York, that the, this, this movement, this insurrection we saw with people ready to overthrow the U.S. government is full of anti-abortion extremists. That's right. I mean, we saw, we watched in real time online, the live streams of the anti-abortion zealots who were outside of the Capitol hanging from scaffolding or just from afar, like, pumping full of support on Facebook and Instagram. And we captured a lot of that footage that they tried to take down and a lot of those posts that they try to take down. And when you think about, again, there's so many people behind these movements whose names you don't know who are wildly influential. Um, aside from Ken Peters, who we talked about earlier, there is this guy named Greg Locke, who is a mess, who has a church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, but and he's got a clothing line. He's like kind of like one of those like handsome fuckwads who's like screaming fire and brimstone. He holds, he's got a massive following, says things like Planned Parenthood has killed more people than radical Islam. And he's also the one that went viral last year saying that Joe Biden was running some kind of like tunneling, some kind of sex trafficking ring from the White House to God knows where, but he really had a lot of details. Um, and then you look at senators like Josh Hawley, who is um, said it's the job of the GOP to stop abortion as we know it in America. And then we can't forget that like convicted clinic bomber, John Brockoff, who, mm -hmm. who he was involved in three different um, attacks, arsons, bombings, um, one that was averted because somebody found the bomb in advance um, in Ohio. And he has straight up said he doesn't regret a thing he did. And when asked on Nightline on uh, by Ted Koppel, like, do you think that these are um, horrible? Like when people die in these kind of attacks, isn't that murder? And he said, no, it's not murder, it's justifiable. And so when we look at these people who are in bed with the people who are trying to overthrow the government, working with them, sharing ideas and spaces, um, it feels really scary. And they're sharing ideologies. And I just wanna say like, yeah, these same communities, they're on their way to DC for next week for the March for Life, and they expect to be 150,000 people strong. And what really yep. terrifies me about this, one of the many things that we're gonna get to March for Life, but that these people, you know, the repercussions for these people seem really, really mild compared to the enormity of the crime, right? So far, a year, about a year later, 50 defendants have been sentenced, but some of those sentences are probation. Currently, hundred, I think, 3.5 years is sort of the harshest prison term that's been sentenced. And like, I 100% believe in ending the carceral system. But until we do, I just think that insurrection should be a major offense with, with, the, with the kind of um, punishments that fit the crime. And in 2018, Adora Perez was sentenced to 11 years in jail for having a stillbirth. I just think you should have more time for intentionally pooping in the Capitol building than a person who dealt with pregnancy loss. That's just me, yeah. And, Liz. Yeah, and shitting on democracy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. I, like it's true. I mean, and I feel like, I mean, you know, they, they arrested the, uh, yesterday they arrested the, or today, they arrested the uh, head of the Oath Keepers. And so, um, <clears throat> which is a militaristic organization that really helped coordinate the efforts um, at the Capitol, and we'll see what happens with with some of that leadership. But yeah, it does feel really scary. And, um, you know, to think that a swath of these people will be gathering in D.C. 
tomorrow, as yeah. Moji said, usually around 150,000 people um, in the name of being pro-life. Uh, and I'm looking at what's happening in DC right now, which is just like everywhere else in America, the states of Virginia, Maryland, and the District of Columbia have declared a public health emergency, begging and pleading that people don't come because they do not have beds to help people. Their COVID um, is out of control. And, and when you looked at that conversely with these pro-life people and the missives they're sending out to come to their march, it's like, ignore the... Um, mask mandates, the Ill unconstitutional mandates, and come to the march because no one will settle us down. They act like they're being personally aggrieved. Um, you know, in looking at some of the accounts of some of the people attending the March for Life, trying to find a bar and being really bitchy about the fact that they, they can't go to bars if they've been unvaccinated. And that's some kind of, you know, but it's like behooving or they're aggrieved because of that. And the fact that they wouldn't say um, and follow the Vatican and the, and the Catholic bishops who are saying, um, Hey, we believe that you, it is your responsibility as a Catholic to be vaccinated, to do everything in your power, to not spread disease. And, the, and to even go so far as to say that if the only vaccine you can get is the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which is made with a strain of, of fetal stem cells, that that's okay. To sit there and go against that in some weird anti-Catholic way, I know, shocking religious hypocrisy, but it does gross me out. Um, and they act like they're just outside, but they are taking up public space and closed in public space and putting other people at risk. They really are. You know, um, I was looking, I was doing my research and looking back, the last match for life happened in January, in January, 2020. And at that time, the DC um, ridership for the DC Metro was around 987,000 people a day. And so they're going to descend 150,000 people. 500,000 people a day or 29,000? 500,000,000 people a day. Yes. Oh, thousand people a day. This is 2020, but still the metro is like any metro in any major metropolitan city is a lifeblood of the city. So these people are coming from where they are, right? These are the mask flaunting, vaccine objecting people coming from around the country and just bringing their variants to DC. And then leading so and leading that, yes, tasks in the hospitals. Yep, exactly. Yes. And this hosting of this clan gathering, that's going to happen at the Renaissance Washington, D.C. downtown hotel. So, yes, there is a space that all these folks are going to gather at. It is ironically at 999 9th Street. I'm not <laughs> making that up. I'm not that clever. And oh, my God. Do you realize, Marie, room. Marie, 999 <laughs> was Herman Cain's entire model for running the country when he ran for president and oh, poor gosh. Herman Cain died of COVID. Oh gosh. I'm just saying. Oh, now this is eerily fitting. Now this is like a numerology deep hole. We've just, we've just gone oh, down. Have our own conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, you, you yourselves can rent a room here. You don't have to have a vax card. Um, you do have to have a vaccination card though, with at least one stamp on it and a negative or a negative COVID test to use the hotel amenities. And there's a full mask mandate going on in DC now. This 
this area that these anti-choicers are going to be invading. I do wonder if the hotel knows that this massive reservation block are going to be out there rubbing elbows and being unmasked in public. And in case you were wondered or were concerned about whether the March for Life was concerned about COVID, they are not. The communications on their website highlight how the vaccine mandate doesn't affect outdoor events. In case you all were wondering, barbecues are safe from, from any sort of COVID oversight, apparently. Um, and that how those that are attending need to be in compliance with D.C. regulations. So, again, it's not at all messaging about let's reduce the spread of COVID. It's let's not break the law. Let's be good patriots and let's get out here and protest the, the human right to abortion. Well, also, you can apparently drink your own pee. Um, and that's some kind of helpful thing that came out this week around COVID, which I guess maybe you should drink your pee oh. in public because you'll never get COVID because no one will ever want to come near you. So I feel like that's Back. something that you can think about as well. Um, so the March for Life and the good news is, um, as they gather, they will not, we are not going to allow them to like let their messaging stand. And next week we're doing some special team coverage on the, on the March. And so I'm feeling very excited that, um, our next week's show is going to be um, is going to be talking broadcasting the March for Life live. So we'll be on Friday starting at eleven thirty. But we'll tell you all that later. But coming up right now is somebody who's going to tie all of these things together for us. And there is no better guest than to talk about the intersections between hypocrisy, January six insurrectionists, March for Life hypocrites, terrorism, all of it. So please give a warm welcome to the Khaleesi of abortion access uh, at abortion access front and our research and, and uh, guru on all things looking at bad guys, the one and only Kat Green. Hi, Kat. Hello. How's it Kat, going? You know, Hi. I mean, as well as you can imagine, it feels really good to just <laughs> have this, you know, January 6th, like recap, seeing that not a whole lot of justice has been done. And then watching uh, the March for Life people burst onto the scene with like rigor, you know, um, next week, it feels just really scary. And um, so what we decided to do with you, since you are sort of the all knowing soothsayer who's got everything in all the pots, we wanted to talk about some of the anti-abortion extremists that we follow give a little bit of background on their anti-abortion stuff and then have you help us fill in um their connections to these larger white supremacy movements are you ready it's sort of a game i am ready I'm ready all to bring right. all the good news <laughs> oh my god here to bring all the good news well your hair is perfect so i feel like you brought Thank that you. good news um all right um i'll kick it off marie are you cool i'm gonna kick it off so i'm yeah. gonna kick it off with um my dear friend jason storms and here you see good old Jason Storms. Um, on the left, he is one of the scaffold hangers at the Capitol on January 6th. And on the right, there he is being helpful um, outside of an abortion clinic, just holding up his fetus porn. Um, Jason Storms is the executive director of Operation Save America. If that's an organization you don't know, um, they are affiliated with Operation Rescue. They're affiliated with a whole bunch of other extremists. They're one of the bigger organizations. And Jason Storms and Operation Save America have called for 
um, the execution of abortion doctors. They have not denounced um, the clinic violence we were talking about earlier. Jason Storms believes that if you have an abortion, you should be prosecuted just like if you were Timothy McVeigh or something. Um, and he's somebody who Kat and I had a terrible run-in with. We um, at Abortion Access Front go out and feel like we need to counter these people's messages to show them that they can intimidate us and that their messaging will just will not stand. And so in a argument that Kat and I were having with Jason Storms, who summoned us to speak with him, he challenged me to a duel. Challenged you to a duel, really? I'm sorry, a civil debate. A civil debate. And I was like, I don't have, think we have the same baseline of civil, sir. And then he wouldn't leave. And then I couldn't stop staring at the stains on her shirts, which is really just shallow and beside the point. But the one thing that was terrifying within this debate, it went around in circles, as you can imagine. But with them at their protest was the person that we were talking about earlier, the clinic bomber, John Brockoff. And when I asked him, why do you have a clinic bomber with you if you are pro-life? Why are you with this person? He said, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't quite remember, but he said, um, we all have made mistakes in the past. And I was like, yeah, I've had some questionable haircuts and um, maybe have been overserved, but I don't blow shit up. <laughs> this is yeah. a rule. It was really scary. And Jason Storms lives in Wisconsin, um, has 11 children, has his own ministry. And Kat, talk a little bit about how he uses that ministry in the larger sense of not just preaching like anti-abortion violence, but just the larger piece of the violence. Sure. So in the last year since um, since the Capitol riots, uh, Jason Storms took over as the national director for Operation Save America. And um, they're an organization known for clinic blockades and uh, are, are one of the things that splintered off from Operation Rescue. Um, he's been taking part in anti-mask rallies. He was a big part of fundraising for Kyle Rittenhouse. He was out in Kenosha with militia people and a gun when um, protests were happening there. Uh, he's definitely pushing Operation Save America in a more militant direction. And um, it's, so it, it sort of falls into that realm of stochastic terrorism where he, he isn't, I'm not really worried that he is going to be the person to pull a trigger. It's just that he is somebody who is giving a lot of people ideas that maybe they should. You know, Kat, and I think that's sort of thematically all of these people, right? They're yeah. smart enough to Very understand, so. get the people who are feeling vulnerable, uneducated, getting their information, need a purpose, and this gives them a purpose. I will never forget, and then we'll move on to the next one. I was watching one of his um, online ministries and he was literally telling the people, it is time for Christians to arm themselves because a Christian militia is what we need to do to save America. And I was terrified because it wasn't, and his manner of speaking is not necessarily yelly bombastic. It's almost like mundane and boring, but what pours out of him is really scary. Yeah, and he he's a youth minister too. He 
encourages young men in this direction. He thinks that it's their responsibility. They should be ready to go to war at 13 and things like that. Um, it's not a good precedent to set. <laughs> no, and we're going to transfer, trans, I'm going to turn it over to Marie in a second. But the one thing I did want to also say about Jason Storms is I watched him give a speech too blaming uh saying that you should pull your children out of schools because when women teach young men they feminize the culture and they're destroying the culture so it's not just abortion and it's this white supremacy is also just like patriarchy gone wrong and he's just one marie which fun friend that was at the insurrection are you going to bring next i wanted to talk a little bit cat about jeff durbin Again, someone in the theme of creating a church for using a religion for their own personal endeavors. In his case, it's to give legit legitimacy to the very racist and misogynistic views he has on what a pregnant person should be allowed to do with their body. He just put out um, through Facebook his New Year's Eve funding message, which is asking for folks to donate and a discussion about having, or a, he, he talks about having a backer for $250,000, which I just want to emphasize that because I think a lot of folks think that anti-abortion extremists are irregular. There's so few of, of them. And what we are showing over and over again is this is false. And there is money that exists there. Like this community has this. And he in particular, um, he both has this church that he runs and has set up back in 2010, but he also has End Abortion Now, whose goal is globally to end abortion, which is really, in my opinion, just a, a reuse of missionaries being recycled out there to, to yet put another uh, requirement from the church on folks. Um, and something that we've talked about on, on Feminist Buzzkills Live, which also End Abortion Now um, supports and really has prominent on their website are sanctuary cities. And I wondered if you could talk more about Jeff Durbin's involvement, both where we see this blurring between abortion and white supremacy, and then regarding regarding his engagement on January 6th and what he's done. Well, okay, so Jeff Durbin was outside. He wasn't actually on the Capitol grounds. He was outside reporting from there. Um, one important thing about him is that he uh, is the head of Apologia Church, which is also Apologia Studios. So like so many other um, church groups, he has a fairly extensive media presence. Um, they have multiple shows. They are generating tons of content, um, hours every week, right? Uh, podcasts and videos. And uh, since he started End Abortion Now, he's reaching out into more legislative pushes to, uh, it, they're proposing 15 um, abolition bills in different states in the next year. And so he's putting a toe into the actual lobbying and uh, influencing legislation part of things. So he's already got this media base to promote all of his ideas. And I mean, my personal favorite thing about Jeff Durbin is that he's a, he used to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but- I wasn't gonna take that thunder from you. That is yours, that's yours to tell the world, Cat Green. Thank you. He was also part of the touring cast of Mortal Kombat. Um, it's hard to take him seriously, and yet you need to, because- Yeah, this he is why he's a media presence, folks. <laughs> right. I mean, it's important because if you if you have a platform and you can reach that many people regularly, it kind of doesn't matter whether you are respectable or not. You know, it doesn't matter if, if you have the background that should be 
required for influencing people like that. I mean, look at Alex Jones, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to say too, when Kat, when you said um, abolition bills, um, for those of you thinking, oh, amazing. Is that police abolition? Is that prison abolition? It's, is that reparations? Oh, no, no, no. Abortion abolition is its own thing. And what abortion abolitions are doing, it, besides getting elected in statewide office, there's when Marie says there's 15 bills, those 15 bills are to literally um, make abortion, it, for lack of a better way of putting it, a capital crime. So think about think about uh, all of the ways that people are punished, whether you have an abortion, provide an abortion, aid somebody to get an abortion, that bounty hunter law in Texas, put that on steroids and then put it into a giant thing that turns it into Shrek. And then that is what abortion abolition is. So like, that's something that I think we'll do a deep dive into at some point on the show. So you can really understand like what that machination is. But to me, that's like one of the scariest, most important things because nobody assumes abortion abolition is that. And you see abolitionists and you get kind of excited that it's something that is good and it is sadly not good. Um, all right. So I'm going to bring up just such a good friend to the world. Um, coach Dave Daubenmeyer, who <clears throat> there he is. There's coach Dave at the Capitol. And then there's coach Dave, right? He's in front of a fake women's health center in that picture. So he's a big proponent of, um, the crisis pregnancy centers you might have heard of coach Dave. Um, he is really a renaissance hate man for sure i mean the dude is um just he runs a show that has a lot of viewers he has a church that's called um i always want to call it salt and vinegar and this is not called <laughs> salt and light and he also runs a militaristic training camp so coach dave i encountered coach dave again with cat if, if a bad thing has happened, it is usually Kat and I um, running into these assholes. So we were in Indianapolis in 2000, I want to say 18 or 17, at the annual conference of Operation Save America, uh, the Jason Storms outfit. And what they do at their annual conference every year is they set up a very public display in the town square, like where where like people are working downtown, where there's a lot of foot traffic. And they probably had 25 of those like massive signs with gross fetuses on them. And then they had music and Coach Dave was speaking. And Coach Dave, we were counter protesting, screaming, and Coach Dave could not stop screaming at us. Where are the men that let you out? what kind of men would let you out or maybe you don't have men because you are eating at the fruit of sin i guess that's meaning to what a horse. Um, yeah, it, it, it was like of course a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was so angry that a there was a blockade of of women and femmes and just and queer people confronting his messaging that he couldn't help himself. And this is the thing with coach Dave that I find really interesting is that whenever you see him preaching, if he's disrupted in any way by a marginalized person or women, like he can't resist the urge to stop 
saving the babies and scream about that. And, but coach Dave is scary because he's a sort of a clown on one hand in the abortion space, but when it comes to training and militia and white supremacy, Coach Dave has a very organized network, and I'd love for you to like break down that Coach Dave network. I mean, so Coach Dave runs some uh, tactical training sessions with various people around the country, uh, different Salt and Lake people who uh, are, are part, uh, a lot of them were at the Capitol with him. Um, some of my favorite videos are from people like Bobby Lee being like, we're storming the Capitol, we're taking the wall, you know. Um, but he, uh, oh, the funny thing about the their their tactical training stuff is that it, it does, like at first glance, it's just, it's a lot of old people punching things and, and like running around with guns. Honestly, from a personal perspective, it makes me more concerned that they're going to hurt themselves or each other when I watch the videos. <laughs> but um, but the, the problem is encouraging people that they need to be preparing themselves like that is the troubling part to me. Um, Coach Dave has a daily show and um, he actually called out our list of uh, advertisers that we identified that were at the Capitol on his show last year. Um, he got deplatformed off of YouTube and Facebook. Um, and so he wound up taking all of his media offline. And that's a move that a lot of people who are at the Capitol wound up doing is, uh, going to Gab, but also uh, like working with people to set up their own servers so that they weren't going to be restricted in their freedom of speech. And the scary thing about that is that it's really made people, um, just be able to say whatever the hell they want in the worst possible way. Everything's gotten more inflammatory, like the mask is off. They don't have to pretend to be civil anymore. And that's the biggest takeaway is that all of these people we're talking about, are, not only did they not get arrested after the Capitol, they're thriving. Coach Dave started a new organization with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who's an anti-vax lunatic, and um, this guy, Ohio Brett, uh, called the Christian Revolution. And, you know, they declared January 6th Freedom Day this year because, but they're, they're actually organizing at the local level really deliberately and going to all these anti-vax, anti-mask um, protests and, and going to school board meetings and working in small communities to build up a base. And that's actually getting more traction. And I think that we can't say outliers anymore because, no. you know, the information comes from many different sources and it's the same information that hits different people. And when you look at like retirees who are scared, like that's a group of people that we like to just like sort of brush off as like man shakes fist that cloud. And I think that what happens is when, when they have been, um, amassing guns for years. Now they're retired. Now they are seeing their point of view and, and like asking things of them, um, you know, that they feel completely resentful for, um, like everything is tyranny to them. It's so mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. Marie, you're closing end, us out, right? 
Yes. On the other end, we have folks like um, a prominent anti-Taylor Hansen to talk about. He is someone who I'm just going to refer it as a club because I think founder of, and Babies Lives Matter, it's actually baby lives. One baby. Baby Lives Matter. The entire grammar behind what he, and he bills himself as a muralist. So this this is a guy that has a very, very high um, sense of self. An undetermined amount of babies have been saved by this. He's become famous because he's done this in front of pan- Planned Parenthoods and places that have, have other people that are har- harassing and going uh, to protest against folks accessing care. And he also even has a GoFundMe online. This is how he raises money for his, his so-called murals. And he also likes to hang out with a lot of anti-abortion zealots in his spare time who are terrorizing outside of clinics. And Kat, I know that you've had some some interactions with Taylor over film um, with the content that he decided to live stream on January 6th. Oh, I mean, well, so Taylor Hansen was one of the people who was inside the Capitol and he was next to Ashley Babbitt when she got shot. He had the footage that was uh, circulated the most and went on Laura Ingram that night. And so he, no shame about the fact that he was in the building, just went on TV to show his whole ass. And he has not been arrested. Um, He's been making a lot of public appearances with Ashley Babbitt's family, just, you know, milking that as much as he can. Uh, But he, the only thing I can think is that he must be an informant because this doesn't make any sense. Like he was there, he was inside, he went on TV to brag about it. He, you know, or Fox News got his lawyers for him. But either way, it's, he's a joke to me, really. Like, and that's the infuriating part about all this. You know, he's like, oh, I'm a citizen journalist. And that's what I was doing in there. He's just trying to hitch himself to any opportunity he can get. And the fact that the, he's not being taken seriously as somebody that's in there, it's like he's not going to even be useful as an informant. Why is he getting any sort of special treatment? Why is mm-hmm. he still online? He literally posted on Twitter uh, within the past, I don't know, let's say a couple weeks. I can't be on Taylor Hansen Watch all the time because I'm busy. <laughs> but um, he was. He was passing around this video saying, oh, look, no one's investigating the fact that the people in the Capitol, people in the Capitol, meaning other people who stormed the Capitol, were, were Antifa and that they were handing sticks and and like weapons out to the other Antifas so they could do further damage at the Capitol. And it was just like... Yeah. It's also, nobody's investigating that you doxed a cop, you know? Like, yeah. what? Yes. Yeah, he, yes. Yeah, he doxed a cop. I mean, and the thing is, when you see him, he is, he is like, the only time I've seen him is with Ashley Babbitt's family. So I don't know if he, like, like when you can't get the most garbage conspiracy, QAnon's like, yeah, buddy, you're a bridge too far for us. Like, you know, they're just like, they've just like rejected him whole cloth. I think everybody must know he's compromised at this point, you know, because why else would he be out? <laughs> like, Well, his mustache is uni- universally hateful. Like, can we just throw that I feel like it's up? the wrong yeah. crowd for mustache wax, you know? I mean, look, let's throw, <laughs> can you throw him up again, Paul? Just like, look at his mustache. <laughs> like everything about this douchebag, the hat, the stash, 
Like, I don't, is he in a airplane bathroom taking his picture? Where is he? It looks like an Amtrak hallway. Yeah, it does look like like an Amtrak hallway of some sort. Yeah, Yeah. he's just doing great work, Taylor Hansen. Um, Kat, thank you so much for um, coming on. And just, I know we're over time, so we might as well just be over time because who gives a shit at this point? Because we touched on the fact, you know, we're just doing a show and we have lots of stuff to say. You know, but like we touched earlier in the show, we talked about the Knoxville fire and we talked a little bit about just kind of the update on that. And Ken Peters is somebody who has been around, but really emerged in the past year as somebody who is one to watch for 2022. (laughs) And um, can you talk a little bit about Ken Peters? We talked about um, the Church of Planned Parenthood. I briefly touched on Patriot Church, which is his sort of brick and mortar space. Mm-hmm. Can you give a little Ken Peters download for folks before we uh, move on? Yeah, I mean, talk about stochastic terrorism. Um, he is uh, the head of the Patriot Church, which is a um, just blatantly political church. And uh, he's made the news a lot. People love to give him a platform, like he's been on Meet the Press. Um, and which I think is harmful. People very infuriating. Normalizing yeah, that. Yeah, really don't need to be just giving him a platform without questioning him at all, you know. And so that's been frustrating. But um, he started the church in Spokane and then moved to Knoxville. Um, TCAP, uh, the church at Planned Parenthood, has uh, different branches all over the country now that keep popping up new ones. He joined forces with Greg Locke a little while ago, and I know Activist Mommy was on his board at one point. Um, but so he's been getting a bigger platform by piggybacking on Greg Locke. Um, Artur Pavlovsky was speaking at a bunch of their events. And then uh, earlier last year, um, at one of the TCAP events in Salem, Oregon, they hired the Proud Boys to be their security. And shockingly, a fight broke out between counter-protesters and the Proud Boys, and the police showed up and tear-gassed everybody. Um, So Ken, I think, is actually one of those people that, again, seems unstable at a glance, but has a lot of influence in terms of how many people he's reaching. You know, he's simulcasting his his uh sermons every week but also uh who he's teaming up with he went on tour with clegg clark to, on the reawaken america tour and that's a whole you know that's michael flynn and mike lindell roger stone was on it at one point and so um he's connecting himself to and he spoke the day before uh the capitol riots and was was on site on january 6th yeah i mean i think ken peters to me is one of those people and like when he was on meet the press it was massively frustrating greg Locke was on cbs news and you know there's a lot of conversations around what does it mean to amplify somebody versus what does it mean to hold them accountable to let people know who they are and what they're up against and i feel like consistently whenever um corporate media brings on someone like this they are woefully under-researched they have no idea the dangerous nature of these people and they give them a pass so that at best at worst they look like fringy crackpots not understanding that like they're not just fringy crackpots they are providing the soundtrack to the unstable people who all they want to do is be heroes and save America or the babies or whatever it is. 
and they will go to great lengths to do harm to people. And that's, I think that the message of like doing this segment for me is really letting folks know that, um, that is what's going on with these people. And, um, Kat, I want you to tell people before you go, um, we're not just telling you this and leaving you with information. That's like, holy shit. Thank you. Now, what do I do? You've taken a big steaming dump on my dining room table. Tell folks about the tip line and tell folks what that tip line is doing to help out clinics. Yeah, we have a tip line. Um, so we have been collecting all this information about anti-abortion extremists for a few years now, and we are trying to organize it in such a way to make it useful to clinics. Um, and we really want to provide a better map of the landscape of our opposition and give our um, clinics and other advocates a heads up when we know events are coming their way or bad actors are coming their way. Also, when there's an incident, we're collecting a lot of information about the incident whenever it happens. So if you know anything about anybody harassing clinics, we have an easy web form. You can go to antimap.org and just fill it out. You can do it on your phone. It's a piece of cake. Um, you, it can be totally anonymous if you want. And uh, most of what we're gathering is just open source information and private tips. We're vetting everything and then verifying stuff wherever we can. Um, but yeah, we're just trying to keep people safer since nobody seems to care about keeping them safe. And the clinic has really benefited from, um, from some of these things. We've been able to give them heads ups on um, people like invading their clinics and doing those like chaining themselves to chairs and preventing uh, things from happening, you know, being able to, you know, make sure their cameras are turned on if they hear that there might be some bad actors in town. So I think it's really good to help people be as safe as possible. And Kat, thank you again for all your work. You are like tirelessly working to root out these people and help us amplify them. And we are eternally grateful for you. Thank you, Kat. Thanks. You're welcome. It was so awesome. All right, guys, we're going to take a little commercial break that's full of ads for diamonds and luxury cars. Okay. No, we're not, JK. We're just going to go pee and you get to watch some of our awesome comedy videos. So BRB, in a few minutes, we will be back with some incredible feminist life hacks that you don't want to miss. Okay, are we rolling? Uh, yeah, we're rolling. Okay. I'm Helen Hong, and I want to tell you about one of my favorite pro-life primary care physician politicians, Tennessee Congressman Scott Desjardins. Scott has been serving in the House since 2009, a Tea Party favorite elected on his pro-life stance. He co-sponsored the Defund Planned Parenthood Act and voted for a national 20-week abortion ban. Desjardins, I... He's even received a 100% perfect rating from the National Right to Life Committee. So it must have been awkward when he had this conversation with his wife. Honey, I'm pregnant. Great. I'm gonna need you to have an abortion. And it must have been really awkward when he said, I'm gonna need you to have another abortion. Wait, wait, I thought you said you haven't been drinking. I haven't. I'm stone cold sober. I haven't even touched this thing. This is true life story and things haven't even gotten crazy yet okay things got really 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 awkward when he then told his mistress you told me you'd have an abortion 
and now we're getting too far along without one. If we need to go to Atlanta or whatever to get this solved and get it over with so we can get on with our lives, then let's do it. Everybody gets an abortion. Everyone I've knocked up gets an abortion. You get an abortion. You get an abortion. And like any moralistic politician who gets caught with his dick out, he deeply regrets his behavior. Uh, I now look back with regret on the sexual relationships I had with two patients, three coworkers, and a drug company representative. Wait, who is this guy again? Scott Desjolais of Tennessee. He was, he's an actual United States congressman in the Congress right now, probably voting so you can't have an abortion. Ah! I need a fucking drink, okay? You need a drink, You. we all need a drink, America needs a drink. In the systems of oppression, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, those who have never been granted justice and the real victims, Christian parents bullied by Big Bird into getting their children vaccinated. These are their stories. You may hear a lot about hacks and hacking, and we at FBK would like to introduce you to really useful and effective hacks to optimize your life. With me to show the way is our feminist life hack coach, Alyssa Al-Duki. Alyssa, thanks for joining thanks, us. Rosie. Thanks so much. It's amazing to be here today. And I do, I have some incredible feminist life hacks to show you. The first one will make you wonder why you never thought of it sooner. There's an all too common situation where having butterfingers could result in a baby. Let me explain. There you are waking up in a full morning glow because your one night stand left the night before. It's a miracle. You actually got sleep. You feel great. But then, uh-oh, you realize you may not have popped a protector on the old pecker. Oh, been there. Yeah, haven't we all? Well, you think you're always prepared, right? You always have plan B in your drawer. You pop out the pills and then whoops, it slips right through your fingers and onto your shag carpet. The question is, are you prepared to find it? Never. I hate when that happens. We all hate when that happens. It's basically Narnia in there. Plus, whatever drops into shag legally, it belongs to the carpet now. But do not despair, Moji. We've got the feminist life hack for this very situation. Simply attach pantyhose or a thin legging to the end of your vacuum, secure with a rubber band, and have at it. You hear that? That's not Nancy Reagan. That's the sound of you getting your life back. The vacuum sucks the fill to the legging, and the only thing left to do is toss it back with your OJ, morning coffee, or morning martini. You do whatever you need to do to live another day of your best goddamn life. That is incredible, Alyssa. What else you got for me? Next up is one of my favorites. Honestly, you won't know whether to scream or shit your pants. If you're like me, your fridge is full of jars, jars of jam, jars of pickles, jars of the testicles of your BFF's shitty ex-boyfriend. So many jars! But sometimes these jars just, oh, they won't budge when you try to open them. And when you're in a hurry to get to work or hide evidence from the cops, those precious moments can cost you your whole day and even land you in prison. And I don't want to go back there. So here's where the feminist hack comes in. I've got two words for you, Moji. Dental dam. How the hell does a dental dam help your jar situation, you ask? 
simply you take the dam cover the top of the jar twist like so and voila you're looking at an open jar of raspberry jam or pickle spears or cheating bastard balls uh finally a way to use these things right who needs a man when you have a dusty old dental dam package <laughs> feminist life hack this is definitely a feminist life something you get it you get it last but certainly not least i have a feminist hack guaranteed to please take a look at this um what on earth is that i know what you're thinking you're thinking is that a toothbrush poorly taped to a vibrator yes Yes, it is. And what the hell kind of problem does that solve, you ask? Well, Moji, everyone knows electric toothbrushes just work better. It's science. Those fuckers can be expensive as all heck. So for this feminist life hack, you simply tape your regular, non-vibrating toothbrush to your vibrator, and bam! You've got a plaque-busting toothbrush for a fraction of the cost. This bad boy will have your teeth so clean, you'll look like you can actually afford dental insurance. Uh, genius! I know, but wait, there's even more. I've got a bonus vibrator hack. Vibrators really are the gift that keeps giving. I, yeah, I know. Okay, so some <laughs> crackpot anti-mask politicians suggested on Facebook that vibrators can be used to clear up chest congestion caused by COVID. He said, just lay on your right side and it will quote, loosen up your airways. Uh, how does that work? Who knows? All I know is that according to that person, you can use vibrators to treat COVID-19. Of course, you could just get the vaccine and wear a mask, but it's still a good hack to know during peak Omicron season. It, it sure is. These are all life-changing. Thanks, Alyssa. We cannot wait to have you back soon with more feminist life hacks. Thanks, Moji. And of course, we must give a quick disclaimer. We cannot guarantee the safety or the results or the efficacy of any of these hacks. These hacks are intended for fun and for feminism, not for any cure or medical advice. We are not doctors, but we do, however, treat the symptoms and spread of misogyny. Over to you, Liz and Marie. Oh my God, I, I feel bad for the state of Tennessee. Like again, that's not a drill. That is That is real life with some slight, slight interpretations like that 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 poor state has been through the ringer what i wait wait what with tennessee's politician and his his just abilities and desires to everybody have an abortion oh. left and right oh my god i i was like what is marie talking about because i was talking the about the feminist attacks and you were obsessed with scott Desjardins. there was a lot <laughs> happening since we last saw each other i know oh, the i am Look, that pantyhose thing is real, you know, and yes. now that I'm out of the, yes. uh, now that I use my uterus for storage, you know, I, I don't really need it for the plan B, but I am going to use it for my Zoloft or, or my I was like, there's or, other drugs. <laughs> there's other and drugs that get, are in my shag carpet. And now I'm just wondering like, what the fuck is down there? Like I'm going in. No, the pantyhose hack is uh, pretty genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was unclear about the jars because who's got old dental dams lying around? I feel like that's something you throw out with like candle stubs, but I don't know. Also, I feel what like do vibrators don't necessarily belong by your teeth, but you know, I like uh, points for in ingenuity. You and teeth, well, I feel I'm, like impressed, I'm impressed they turned the vibrator on too. That like, I was like, this is a milestone. An active vibrator <laughs> appeared on Feminist Buzzkills Live. 
Yeah, which you know, I think that's the uh, the the less risque stuff that we've done. But anyway, I loved it. I cannot wait to see more of those life hacks. We got to go. We're about, I don't know, 30 minutes over time. So we actually did two shows in one, but we're going to wrap it up. Uh, So I feel like um, we should just say again, um, if you want tips, like go to the tip line again, the cat was talking about it's antimap.org. If you see any abortion extremists or see any violence or want to report harm, do that. And also Uh, We do an incredible program all year long that we want you to join us in. Clinics are really in need and could use your help. So check out the wish lists of all the clinics from around the country and see if you can meet some of their needs in our Adopt-A-Clinic program. You just go to aafront.org slash resources. Um, And, you know, we got to go. But before we go, um, we got some takeaways uh, from the show that I always love to hear what you guys like took the most from let's start with you emoji what'd you take away oh i think my biggest takeaway is that some people think that if the pee is warm and the grill is hot you're totally safe from covid <laughs> marie oh god um i really need someone to clarify me for me what the standard is for a mural now in 2022 because it really runs the gamut apparently yeah um that was my dog. Thanks, Mr. Funk. Uh, and and to that point, Marie, I really want to know what qualifies as a mustache now <laughs> in 2022 because that thin-ass, snidely whip douche was really bad news. Um, so I feel like that is it. Um, but we got to wrap it up. Marie, take us away. Yes. Thank you all so much. That is our show. Thank you so much to our amazing guests, Kat Green and Alyssa Alduki. That's right. And big, big show note, y'all. Next week's show is at a different time and a different day because we are coming to you live from the March for Life on Friday, January 21st at 1130 a.m. with special guests Monica McLemore, Robin Marty, the Boom Lawyered Podmeisters, Jessica Mason Piccolo, Imani Gandhi, and more guests. And join us next Friday in the comments and help expose the misogyny and conspiracy theories that are sure to dominate their forced birth Coachella. And don't forget, whenever you miss the original broadcast, or you can catch it on YouTube anytime or listen in on Podform with Thursday's episodes dropping on Sunday mornings. That's right. And we leave you, as always, with somebody who shows their whole ass in a profound way. And today it's the head of Operation Save America who took time away from his busy schedule justifying the murder of abortion providers to storm the Capitol. We're at the Capitol. Bunch of guys rushed in, got into the rotunda, overtook the building. They got tear gassed, sent out of there. So uh, thousands more have just come into the building, surrounded the building, and have just taken it over. We're not going anywhere. Tens of thousands of us are here. We're done with the corruption coming out of this pit. The lies, the trees, and the corruption. We're done with it. Revolution 2.0 going on right here. Feminist Buzzkills Live is a production of Abortion Access Front. Subscribe to our YouTube at aafront.org slash fbksub.